The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget you can subscribe to this podcast via BBC Sounds. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from magic carpet roses, rubber plants and cats. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. And that's a bit of a surprise for you this week. We go straight to your calls and this week we start with Lynn from Great Clacton. Hello, happy new what year you got? to you all. Yeah, thank um, you. Uh, many years ago I bought a rose from a retail outlet mm-hmm. and planted it. It was called Magic Carpet. I haven't heard or seen of them since anywhere for sale. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of them at all. Yeah, you can. They're still available. Um, I think it's someone like David Austin grows them. They're, they're, um, they're a ground cover rose, aren't they? It's a lovely yeah. semi-double pink, pale pink colour. It's lovely. Is that the one you've got? Well, I haven't got it now because I've moved several times. Ah, right. <laughs> yeah. So are you trying to get hold of one? Well, I would quite like one. Mm. So do, where, where you had it before, was it quite a, a vigorous grower? Uh, well, I wasn't there for very long after I'd planted it, but I think it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, it produces ground cover and it will cover sort of a... It, it's about... A metre, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it would. It's very good for flat surfaces and also sort of uh, sort of gentle banks as well, so it'll actually flatten out across the ground. Quite a nice open flower as well, so that's pretty good for uh, pollinators if you're also trying to attract those. It's it's similar to the one called flower carpet, or flower, mm-hmm. although flower carpet, I think, is a bit more vigorous. Flower carpet, you can get up to a, like a metre high and a couple of metres wide, can't you? Whereas this one, it's quite an easy one to sort of care for. Mm. Um, after flowering, uh, you can deadhead. Uh, you could also allow for some little fruitlets to develop. And if you haven't done anything, and so thinking this time next year when you've got it, um, then maybe do a little bit of light pruning, take the old flower heads off to the ground or to where there's a good vegetative shoot and leave it. It's a perfect plant for any garden. So they are, and uh, as I said, it's grown by David Austin, which you should be able to find David Austin roses in a lot of garden centres, um, oh, Lynn. So... Oh, it's worth asking around. Go to a garden centre, ask them whether they actually stock it, as it yes. is a David Austin, because David Austin okay. one of the major major growers, one aren't the, they, in the, the UK major, now? One of the major growers, yeah. yeah. Oh, lovely. Right, thanks very much. That's a pleasure. One uh, other thing. Oh, yes, go for it. <laughs> I um, used to leave the rose hips on roses for the winter for the birds, yep. but yep. they never seem to ever take them. The birds, <laughs> anyway... I, I think sometimes sometimes they're quite hard, aren't they, Tom? You know, yeah. the, the outer... They, they can be. Also, there's lots of other food around. Yeah. And sometimes they'll go for that easier food first. Yeah. But um, in time, if there's nothing else around, the hips will get a little softer. Uh, and so they and will frost, start... frost affects them as well, doesn't will it? They do, yes. I mean, they will sort of go for them. But actually, I quite like it when they don't go for them because they're I quite like the attractive. Yeah. Oh, thank you. So the answer is, yes, they will go softer. <laughs> yes, if it's frosty, they'll go frost, uh, go softer. But, of course, who knows what the winter will throw at us, eh? <laughs> right, yes. What do you reckon it's going to be like, Lynn? Come on, what do you think what, the, the winter's going to be like? Yeah. The weather, well... It's mild, really isn't it, now? Please, <laughs> we'll probably get some icy windscreens yeah. uh, during January and February. 
Yeah, we could do it with a bit of frost, couldn't we? It always helps, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. OK, Lynn, thank you very much for your call on the Magic Carpet Rose. Magic Carpet. And if you ever put that... You imagine putting Magic Carpet into your um, computer and it would send you off on... Um, <laughs> Something like on a lad. magic carpet. Yeah, on a magic carpet with Aladdin <laughs> or somebody. Um, anyway, Shirley's from Clacton as well, aren't you, Shirley? Hello. Happy it's, New Year to you all. Thank you, Shirley. Is it nice down in uh, Clacton uh, at the moment? Very brisk, windy, a little bit windy. Windmill, my windmill is going around like clappers, but yeah. uh, otherwise it's very mild. Good. So what do you got for us then, then? Right. I want to know the best time to trim lavender bushes and fuchsia bushes. Right, well, um, let's start with lavender. You're a bit late. (laughs) In fact, you could still do it, couldn't you, Tom? You could dead... No, hang on. You should dead head anyway, even now, I would. Yeah, I I dead head. But the problem is that you've missed the time when you should have pruned it. So where do we start? When was the best time Right, let's go back to the beginning. Well, go back to the beginning then. Other people with lavenders will know, won't they? So, lavenders growing beautifully, uh, Tom, all in flower, and then slowly the, the flowers are disappearing towards the latter end of the summer, aren't they? What do we do? So, towards the latter end of the summer... That's when you can actually uh, cut back the old flowers and then travel down the plant to where you've got a green shoot or a bluey green shoot and don't really go much lower than that uh, because lavenders don't always respond well to hard pruning and often they'll just have a woody base and that'll be it. So you've got that option. You can do it. You do it as you're coming into the autumn uh, and do it to shape um, or... Allow the seed heads to, to carry on because that's also a good food source for, for wildlife. They look, look untidy they to can, me. They can do, mm. yes. Um, but then come back in the spring. So when you've got active growth, things are starting to spurt into life. Then I would actually prune. Which is what Shirley will have to do yeah. now. So wait until around about sort of March. Uh, you might get a little bit of growth by then. Just We need to know what the weather's like, so if it's too cold, it won't go into growth. So any time when you start to see new growth on, on your other plants, then come in and do that harder pruning. But again, don't go hard to the ground. Always cut to a greeny-blue shoot. Lovely. So and you, the important thing is that, I don't know whether Tom implied but didn't say, you do it every year. You must do it every, every year. year. Yeah. Because if they become woody, are yours woody, Shirley? Yeah, you see, if you cut into that old wood, they generally will die backwards. They will not come out of yeah. it. So, I mean, some years I've waited until they've really come into a bit, of, bit more growth. And rather than just take it down to that first lot of greeny blue shoots, Go I've lower. gone lower, but I've always gone to where there is active growth. Don't just cut it down. Because that way it won't grow. Yeah. And your other question was about fuchsias, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, so what do you want to know about fuchsias? What fuchsias have you got then, Shirley? Uh, I can't remember the names. But no, I didn't mean the names. Huge. But w- and are they, they, they grow in the garden every year, they're hardy ones, yeah? Yes. Lovely. We got one's a light green leaf and one's a dark green leaf, but I can't remember the names of them. But they flowered well last year? Yes, they did. Have they got flower on now? Um, not at the present time. Okay. No, I'm just interested rather than worried. About, I'm not worried about them. Well, Fuchsias do go on a well long they, time. Well, now, they do, they? actually. I mean, uh, there are one or two that sort of flower on and off. I mean, if we have a hard winter, 
they're cut right down. But if it's quite mild, they'll keep on flowering on and off. They all flower on new growth. So right. that means, that implies, actually, you can cut them quite hard, but not at the moment. And Shirley obviously ha- implies, because they're huge, you haven't cut them <clears throat> for several years. Is that right, Shirley? Uh, no, I haven't done it for the last two years. <laughs> but, hang on, that doesn't mean it's, it doesn't no. mean it's wrong. No. Um, so it's, what's the best time of the year? I wait until, really, coming into April time, uh, even sometimes going into May, uh, to, to cut fuchsias hard. If I'm going to do them really hard because I want to regenerate them, then I literally will cut them down to the ground, leaving about an inch of growth. Right. So, it's, so it's quite ruthless. However, knowing that they flower on new growth, you cut them down as low as you want. So if you only want to go by half, go by half. But do it so you shape it. Always cut to a, a pair of leaves. Mm-hmm. And you'll get, you'll get lots of new growth, and all that new growth will terminate in flowers. Thank you very much but, indeed for but your do, advice. Do it in April, possibly do it in May. Yeah, I've written that down. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> okay, so I forget. Okay, then. All okay, right, then. thank you very much. <clears throat> plant of the week. Well, plant of the week this week is, believe it or not, is fuchsia. <laughs> now, you're thinking, he's crackers, that Crowther. Fancy thinking about fuchsias at this time of the year. But I'll tell you why a bit later on. Fuchsias, they're usually normal. Um normally sort of purpley colour, um, and they were discovered in the 16th century by Charles Plumier. Um, and, in fact, the fuchsia dye, that's where the fuchsia dye came from, the flowers with this purpley red. But the colour, believe it or not, was renamed magenta to celebrate the French Battle of Magenta. So they are, the French changed it. But anyway... Back to the plant, because you'll think to yourself, what's he talking about all this colour for? The first was discovered in the Caribbean island of Haiti. There's actually about 110 species around, and they're they're native to places like South America, Mexico, and even down in New Zealand. The shrubs generally are two to four metres high. However, smaller trailing varieties exist. Lower ones that are not hardy are used for bedding. In fact, in New Zealand, there's one that's nearly 30 foot high, but we won't go there on that because we don't grow that here in the UK. Leaves are opposite each other, and some of the fuchsia varieties are even semi-evergreen. Flowers, as you, I'm sure know, are pendulous in teardrops and are displayed in profusion. They've got four long sepals and then four shorter ones. And let's face it, they are red and purple petals, generally. They produce a fruit, which is purple with lots of seeds. Now, most are edible, except fuchsia splendens. So avoid that one, but you wouldn't be growing that generally in your garden. They are edible, and people do eat them, and wildlife likes them. They live for hundreds of years they really do they've been around since i don't know when but they last forever in your garden as long as they are in the right conditions some hardy ones can be used for hedging and do they have a small problem well they don't like being in extreme dry conditions and they don't like being in extreme wet conditions but other than that they will put up with any soil at all what do they suffer with well not a lot The caterpillar of the elephant hawk moth, 
They sometimes get vine weevil, very keen vine weevils are on fuchsias, particularly in containers. And the worst problem they're suffering with at the moment is gall mite. That is the major problem, which you can spray with a couple of systemic insecticides to try and help keep it away. You cut it back hard and then as they emerge, the plant in the spring, you spray on a regular basis. What else can you do? I'll tell you what. They're easy to take cuttings from. I used to take cuttings just in sand in three-inch pots, but you can take hardwood cuttings as well. And what do you do? You just cut the hardy ones back in spring. I said to you, why am I talking hardy fuchsias at this time of year? Well, I was recently on the Norfolk coast and there was a whole line of fuchsias all in full flower. So there you are. That's why I like fuchsias. So come on. Think about buying a hardy fuchsia and getting them into your garden to brighten up your garden. I'm nearly going to say all year, but it does depend on where you live. Now we're going to go indoors with Anna, aren't we, Anna? Hello, Ken. Hello. You're hiding indoors, Anna, from Basildon, aren't you? I am for now, but I'm going out this afternoon. Are you going out doing gardening, though? No. Oh, <laughs> come on. Oh, it's lovely. Look at it. <laughs> anyway, how can we help you today? Um, yeah, please. I've got an old rubber plant. I've had donkey's years. But I think I overwatered it in the summer because all the leaves in the middle dropped off. So now it's a bit spindly. It's long and spindly. I wondered if I could cut the, the top bit off and uh, if I put it in water, will it take root? Right, well, let's just uh, clarify which rubber plant it is. Is it the one with the large leaf? Yes. So it's uh, Ficus Elastica Decora. Oh, well done. How about that? See, I remember that from my training days. (laughs) And in fact, what's interesting, Anna, is that a lot of these plants, houseplant sales have increased dramatically over the last year, which is quite strange because they've been going down and down and down, and they've started going up again. And what's unusual is that rubber plants... Um, and then monsteras, the big, uh, you know, monstera deliciosa. The cheese plants. The cheese plant. Yeah. All yeah. these plants are coming back. So you're trendy to have a rubber plant, you see. Well, I've had it years. Well, there you are. You're still a trendsetter now. <coughs> now, can you just take the top off? I probably wouldn't do that. Would you try I would probably, it? Well, you could. Aerial? There's a fun way of doing it, and you just said it there. Aerial. Aerial. Um, rooting. An aerial rooting process where you, if you look at your plant, you've got one leaf, and then alternatively you have another leaf, and there's a gap between those leaves. Well, between around, around where the leaf joint is, you can put a little cut into it, so it sounds quite severe. You're going to put, you're gonna what, put a, a quarter of the way in? Yeah, a nice, hmm. a, but a longish cut. Maybe uh, you're saying inches. Oh, inches. Well, on the stem, not Yeah, on, down, the, on the, stem the stem itself. You can cut around right where the junction is. If you cut into the stem and then follow the stem down by around about two or three centimetres, so just over yeah. an inch. Um, and then what you want to do is try and keep that um, open? open, that wound. With so the I, ni- you can do it with a knife, can't you? You can do it. And I use, you need something like a matchstick or a little bit of uh, dowling, very, very thin piece of wood. Put that in and then pack around it. Now, just I'm going to interrupt because at the stage you dig into it, it will bleed the white gummy bleed. We but, should um, say that's an irritant sap as well, so yeah, make sure you've got gloves on. You. Make sure you've got your gloves on. 
Um, pack around it and into it uh, something like sphagnum moss or which you might get out your lawn yeah you could uh, actually you could that'd be absolutely fine you could rake that out lawn pack it right in and then you've got to hold it in place so what you need to do that is uh, well you could use cling film you can use any any plastics a bit of recycling there put the plastic around tie it to either end and then if it's nice and tight um, that will keep the moisture in do it now, have a look at it and feel around there. Over a period of time, you might start to feel thread-like, a, a thread-like a, a sort of a texture. That means the roots are starting to emerge from the cut area. And in about two months' time, because it two takes a bit months. of time, uh, you can then detach the top of the plant... With the roots. Just below the bag that's been holding those, uh, those roots together, and then you could pot it up. How about that? Oh, it's always complicated, but I think I've taken it all in. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not. It sounds complicated, but it, it isn't. When, when you, you start, to, it's very yeah. simple. Look for something called aerial layering. That's the key thing you want to look it's for. It's called aerial layering. Aerial layering. Yes. yes. And also, please, gentlemen, I've got a poinsettia from obviously left over from Crimbo, and it's still healthy. But I don't know what to do with it because last year we planted it and it died. Where did you plant it? In the garden. Oh, it's not no, hardy. No, it's not They're not hardy. hardy. It's not a frost no. hardy plant. What you need to do with it, um, I would suggest if anybody's got a deteriorating point set here, they don't try and survive it, they put it in the bin. But if you've got one that's in good condition and looking good, no, you can't plant it outside, Anna. What you do is you wait till about March, early March, and then you cut it back to about four or five inches high. Yeah. Re repot it. And it will grow fresh growth. Oh. And, what we, and what we should say... Oh, yeah, that's irritant That's got an again. irritant sap as well. So you want to wear gloves uh, with that one. Uh, you get this white sap that oozes out uh, from the stems. Tr I treat it like a bit like a fuchsia. Yep. Uh, oh. So if you've got a half-hardy fuchsia, you've kept it over the winter period, come in the spring, pop them up, but cut them down hard. You get lots and lots and lots of new growth. OK. Oh, that's... And then, in right. September, late September... Give us another call and we'll tell you how to get it red. How about that? Gentlemen, and a happy new year. Thank you very much, Anna. That's Anna from Basildon who's given us a call on 0800 111 I'm going to jump across now to... Uh, don't forget that number to call. Uh, if you want to text us, it's 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. I'm going to jump across to June, and she's from Frinton on Sea. We're all down the coast today, aren't we? Clacton, Frinton. Wow. And Frinton, please, you, could you identify this tree from the photos? I bought it about four years ago as a lilac tree from a well-known company in Spalding. Um, it's grown well enough, but has never bloomed well. Last spring... I had about three lilac blooms low down on the tree. However, now I have small, very small blackberries, and they are small blackberries. We've looked at the pics, haven't we, you and I, uh, Tom? We have. <clears throat> he, uh, she doesn't, June doesn't think it's lilac. I can only guess it was grafted, and the graft tree has grown and not the lilac. Can you tell me what the tree is now? It is a lilac. Uh, the leaf on the lilac is slightly bulbous at the base and then comes to a tip. Uh, and it does have a fruit-like little cluster once it does finish flowering. Yeah. Um, so, for, for me, I wouldn't do anything to it at the moment because it's actually going to flower on the wood. If it's got enough oomph, it'll flower on last year's wood. So, what I would do, though... Send us a picture of the flower. 
Well, that, that would, would help us and we could help her a but bit I think more. That, I think it is a lilac, actually. I mean, what I would do, actually, after it has produced whatever flowers it's going to produce this year, uh, then you wanted to reduce it by about a third um, and then see what happens. See if it triggers any new growth. But it'd be interesting to have a look at the flower because mm. the, the, the head, the seed head is very spaced out, isn't it? I don't mean spaced out, but I mean it's very separate, isn't it? It's got it's got small blackberries all over the place, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I mean, we were thinking at one point it was privet, because it's similar is, to a privet, but isn't the, it? But the broad leaf isn't like that. It's, a privet's got a, a usually a, a more narrower leaf, yeah, uh, unless it's overfolium, which has got a slightly more rounded leaf. But they're they're small and uniform and evenly spaced up the plants. Uh, so I think it's a lilac. Okay, so we think it's a lilac June, but if you've got another query, why don't you send us an email at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk and uh, you can also text me, 81333. Start the the message with the word Essex. It's as easy as that. Um, Well, uh, Christine, I don't know whether you've... um, I'm Ken... Ray's gone for the day. I just thought you'd like to know. <laughs> I'm Ken. This is Tom Cole over the other side of the studio. So Ray, Ray's gone. Uh, he's off for a couple of weeks. Christine in Colchester. We'll see if we can answer your question for you. Uh, advise me the best way to clean my outside past. It's very dirty with algae and I haven't got a pressure washer, and I don't think it's been cleaned in years. Now, you don't need a pressure washer necessarily, do you, Tom? No, there are quite a few sort of brushes out there. The wire-headed brushes are quite good for... And there's some quite good sort of, I was going to call them solvents, but I don't know what they are. Solvent is an, solvent's a spirit, isn't it? Well, yes. Traditionally, I mean, I, I, but there are cleaners that are not... Uh, a problem anyway, aren't there? No, and there are quite there are a few out there which will sort of burn away uh, or dry out moss between the cracks in paving or dry out the algae as well. And then you can wash off with a normal hose pipe. You don't actually have mm. to have that pressure hose. I suppose it depends on whether you want to not just get away rid of the debris that's built up, but maybe clean mm. and spruce up. Then those pressure uh, jets are quite good, but I'd be really, really wary of using that. Takes the pointing out. Well, it? yes, it can do, and I've seen that happen quite a bit. If they've, <laughs> so people, have done, people have done it on a sort of block paving, yes, and, uh, it takes all the sand out, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. So you've then got to then dress, top dress those uh, as well. But it does look good. Um, but I would go for maybe sort of scrubbing through using hard brushes. Um, that would work, I would think. Mm. Now, there are a couple of products that I can mention. I've got a question on why I mention products, but there are two. There's uh, Black Spot. There's uh, one called Black Spot Remover, and there's another one called Patio Magic. Black Spot Remover is, I know, is made from citrus-based uh, uh, citrus based uh, materials, so it's totally organic. Uh, Patio Magic is also uh, not a problem if you get it on the lawns or plants. So they're both very safe products that you could use. And what they do is you just uh, mix it up and put it straight onto your patio and then you rinse it off. So it actually cleans. Yeah, there's minimal marking, isn't Minimal there? marking, yes. The black spot one will also get rid of lich- lichen, which or lichen or whatever you want to call it. What do you call it? 
You mean liverwort? Oh, lich. Oh, Lichen. as in liver, um, the algae. Yeah, you know it forms. Fungi. So, yeah, it forms a sort of brown, round lichen. Lichen, lichen, <laughs> lichen. It's one, lichen. one of those. <laughs> lichen. It will remove those as well. Yeah. So there are. There's a couple of products that might help you. That's Christine in Colchester, and you're listening to Ken and Tom here on the gardening phone in. Thank you very much. Don't forget you can text me uh, in the studio eight one triple three with uh, Essex on the front. You can send an email just as June Dockerell has. And Brian Turnville has. And we'll come to you straight after we go back to the phones to talk to Jackie from Hornchurch and June from Walton. Text 0800 111 Phone. No, that's the phone number. Sorry. Text 81333. Put Essex on the front. And we're going back to the phones now. I talk to Jackie from Hornchurch. Hello, Jackie. Oh, hello, Ken. Hello, Tom. Um, I've got a cat that persists in coming onto my patio and frightening all my birds away, and I'm desperate. I've put down lemon, which it takes no notice of. I've put bits of it where it hides under the bushes, right near my back door. Um, it will scamper away as soon as I get to the door, you know, but it keeps coming back, coming back. It's frightened the robins now. Oh, um, dear. I don't, I don't get it. They only go in the high-up feeders. They won't come down onto the ground. I mean, when I give it bits of cheese normally, um, it goes, and I'm sure it's the cat that comes out and eats the cheese. <laughs> there's not a lot you can do to actually keep cats away. Is there a cat? There's, I mean, the, there's the electronic. I was going to say, there's some yes. sonic yes. devices, gonna, aren't there? That's what I wanted to ask. Yeah, the Is one that... Me, buy me? Well, in, Should I buy? In, a, years, in years gone by... On BBC Essex, when we had a slightly longer program, mm. um, we used to do product testing mm. here on BBC Essex. And one of the mm. things that we trialled was, and when we did product testing, obviously because it was the BBC, we had to be very careful that we, we tested at least three products right. of different companies. Right. And in fact, people used to say whether they were good or bad. And it was quite interesting because there's this, we did several, and one uh, was called um, uh is it Cat Cat Watch or something the company was called? But anyway, because some of them uh, put the sonic noise, the noise, mm. and if you get one that says it will do dog, cat, fox, etc., ah. it means that it's a wide sound. Now, what right. you want is one that is specific narrow. for cats. It's narrow, Ooh. and it works just for cats. I know it's, it sounds as if you can do everything, but you can't really do everything. Cats have got a different sound uh, absorbency from a dog, as an, an example. Yeah. Um, so you want to look for one that's specific for cats. Cats, right. Okay. And, yes, they do work. They run on battery or they run on a transformer. Uh, but you have to be um, you have to leave it there for a long time. I was going to say you? you need to leave it there so it gets so it, yep. it climatizes to it really, isn't it? Yes. And, and then you can right. put them in other areas. areas. And the cat doesn't come back for several months. It will come back. Mm. Don't don't pretend it won't come back eventually because it will. <laughs> because it will realize that you've moved it. Cats are not stupid and that's the thing. People we all think we all think they're a bit daft but they're not. They're very on the ball. So mm. you will have to move it again. All right? Right. So specifically for cats. 
Yes. Cats, because I don't want to yes. No, particularly for cats. <laughs> OK? Right. Thank All you very much, Ken. We'll be back to those questions in just a little while, but now on the BBC Essex Gardening Podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Tom, what have we got this week? Well, it's all over, Ken. What's that? What's <laughs> and the that? tree is out of the living room. It is, isn't it? So the Christmas tree is ready to be recycled. Um, right. So okay. I haven't got a shredder. So have I... you had a proper <clears throat> Christmas tree? I have, yes. I'm I glad. A, All gardeners should. I did. I had a non-drop tree, which decided to drop slightly. Even though I cut off a good inch on the base and put water in and topped it all up, my heat, central heating was a little bit high. Were the dogs then anything to do with it as well? No, no, the dogs was fine. She was very, very sort of curious of the tree. It's the first time she's seen a tree. and uh, But stayed away from those uh, little spiny um, needles. Yep. She was fine. But the tree is out. It's out in the, it's out in the front road, really. So where's it going? Well, mine is going to my municipal dump because they are shredding and chipping and recycling that way. But if I'd had a good chipper shredder... You do need a good I one. I would be, yes. It's got to be quite sturdy because they're quite hard old bits of wood, yeah. really. To really shred up quite finely, and this is what I advise... Do not put it onto your beds and borders. It's a nightmare. People away. do, don't they? Well, the, the intention is very good because it will act like a mulch, but because it's fresh, it needs to rot down. So it will rob nutrition from the ground, and that will affect any of your plants around it. So I would just pop it somewhere towards the back of the garden. If you've got the space... Could you mix it in with the compost? You... Um, <laughs> Depends on how shredded it is. If it's if quite it's lumpy, fine, if it's do. finer, yes, I would. Um, but you're still looking a good year uh, for that to be rotted down significantly and sufficiently enough to help your plants. So get out there and recycle your Christmas tree. Absolutely. May I point out, having spoken to the Christmas Tree Association, that even even if you burn your Christmas tree, if it's something like a five to six foot tree it will be totally carbon neutral. There's a... I thought I'd just throw that in for you. There you go, you've got a good plus point there. Yeah, plus point. Right, now that aside, (laughs) and you're really, really stuck for anything to do, get out there and clean those pots. Particularly in your greenhouses, your cold frames. So you buy them. new ones. Yeah, so I mean, clean it through, nice brush, uh, rub out all of the the debris that's there. Get yourself a, a big pot of water, rinse out, and there's a you know two scores of thought really. You can just rinse out, let it dry, uh, which I would do if I'm just potting on things, mm. which are. Um, maybe about a year old. If it's brand new, I'm always worried about uh, fungal uh, problems, so I would use a disinfectant uh, drench. And uh, the key with those is to really coat uh, the material and let them stand somewhere in shelter, so in a greenhouse or shed. shed. So they don't sort of basically get more fungal spores landing on the top of them. Um, But therefore, you've got a nice good start to to the season, whatever you do with those pots. Thanks very much, Tom. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. June from Walton. Hello, June. Hello, Ken. Hello, Tom. Happy New Year to you. Thank you. Um, I sent you an email. Right. Of my hazel corkscrew. It's a little one that I bought... uh, Probably about eight oh, months June, ago. Oh, June, I've seen. I've found you. Have you found it? Yeah, well, I've found you, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I was just going to go to emails after I'd spoken Is to you, Is it looking you good, see. June? 
Um, you send I us a picture. I don't know what to do with it because it's got all shoots in the bottom. I, oh. I don't want those, do it's I? It's only little, isn't it? Yes. But I thought I ought to train it right. Ah, I, I can see. See, so it's got little it shoots at the bottom as well. Yes, thank you for your picture. Pictures make it a lot easier to describe. Now, let's just explain to people what a corkscrew willow is. Basically, it's a willow that uh, twists and turns. Um, and not just the stems, the leaves the do leaves the same. are twisted as well. Uh, and it produces a catkin, a very attractive catkin in spring. It's a, it's a very good plant. Great for containers, I always say. I think it's really good. So it's good all year round, actually. It is. You get good autumn colour, so, good winter colour. What you need to know is do you, to get it to grow, it's in the lawn. You've put it in the middle of a lawn, haven't you? Yeah. And it's got slate round it. So what you're worried about is the small shoots from the base, should you let those grow or not? Is that what you're really asking? Yeah, yeah. I'm it, thinking it should just have one stem. But it's it's got all these extra little growths from the right. bottom. You're going to find it... <sighs> I have seen a couple of examples where it is one big chunky stem. It's quite difficult to do that. Um, but if that's what you want to do, you can just keep a central stem and remove all the other stems from around the base. Person that's all right to do that. It's absolutely fine to do that. Personally, it would be better if it had, you know, a, a few of those stems which have to be twisted. Now, this is the key thing with the corkscrew um, hazel. Um, you will get non-typical growth. You'll get some really upright, vigorous growths from time to time. You have to take those out whenever you see them. Right. So if you've got long, whippy growth, and I, can, I think you've got one, one or two in the photo, they can come out straight away as as, as, much, as far down as you possibly can. Just scrape away the, the um, slate and actually cut quite close to the root system. Right. Uh, and now, unfortunately, because you do that, you are always going to have straight stems, straight stems coming up from mm. that point, unless you get in quite early. And if they're about a couple of inches long, you can literally pull those away from the plant. Now, if you pull them away from the plant, it's less likely to produce some of those long, upright, thin stems. But, you know, if you want to have one, one big curly stem, go for it. But it might look better if there's a few more. Right, so it's it's okay to leave them then. It's okay to leave the but, ones which are curly, but, but the not ones the straight. which are straight <clears throat> always take them out because they're more but, vigorous. They're coming yeah. from the rootstock. Right. Okay. Oh, okay. And, and what happens is, if you're not careful, they will take over from the curly ones. Yeah. 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 I get that. Okay. All right. Right, thank you very much. I didn't know what to do because I just thought, well, I sh I'm sure I should take them all off, but I didn't want to ruin it. Well, no. it looks a good specimen. It's got potential. Yep, it's a nice plant. Okay. I'll want it to get a bit bigger. Oh, well, it will. It will get six, bigger. Six, six foot-ish. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what I'm hoping, but it's yep. not growing very fast at the moment, apart from the bits at the bottom. How well, long has it been in there? Oh, I reckon about June. Oh, no. oh you're expecting it, a lot. Give, give, me, give me a few years. Oh, OK. Yeah, it will take time. Once it's got its roots established, it will grow quite quickly. Oh, OK. All right. Thank you very much for your help. That's OK. It's a pleasure. They are that uh, June from Walton. We see, I said we're all down the coast, aren't we? But, in fact, we're not. We're going up to... Oh, we're going up to Great Yarmouth. We're going to Cass. In, right. Is it Rollsby? Rollsby, yes. I don't I, know. I was in Where's... Essex in Thurrock, but I'm now in Rollsby the last two years. Where's Rollsby, then? It's near a village called Martham, Hemsby, Caister. Oh, yeah, Caister and Martian. Yeah, yeah, 
Yep. Well, around that area. All right. Nice. Oh, very nice. Quiet. <laughs> very nice too. But you still tune in to BBC Essex then? I do. Well, I do all three gardening things on a Saturday morning. Right. <laughs> well, we're the best. We're the best, Kath. So, you yes. know, you've asked, you're asking the right people. Anyway, how can we help you today? Well, I was listening to your caller who's having trouble with a cat. Yes. I've got something. I don't know whether you'd agree, uh, you know, to say this, but I've had the same trouble, especially when I was in Essex. Mm-hmm. The, the road I lived in, there were so many cats. And the only thing I found was hot chilli powder. Uh-huh. And that. Uh, when we've moved here, we had a bit of problem with rabbits, and it's also good for rabbits. So hot chilli powder. What yes, do you reckon, Tom? Hot chilli well, powder. A lot, a lot of the, a lot of the sort of animal and, and sort of pet sort of deterrents are based chili on or pepper. strong, uh, oh. harsh uh, sort of flavours or scents. So I, yeah. I can see why that would work. Yeah, I mean, with rabbits especially, you know. Um, That's good for rabbits then. Excellent. I know you have to replace it if you get rain, etc., but it's well worth it. Well, Kath, I think that's really nice. That is what this programme's about, is passing Mm. on good advice across the county and beyond, beyond, up into Norfolk as well. They are? Yes. Thank you you very much indeed, Kath. And that's Kath from Rollsby near Great Yarmouth in Norfolk. And talking of which, Ian has uh, called in as well. He's from Waltham Abbey, and he says, get little plastic drink bottles, half full them with water, and hang them around where the cats are a problem, and they won't go near it. He has found that works. So they are. All sorts of things. Don't forget, you can give us a call on 0800 111 uh, Text to me, just as Nick from Tiptree has, uh, and he's on 81333. Put Essex on the front. Mick from Burnham on Crouch. Hello, Mick. Hello, Ken. How can Hello. I help you? Um, I, I was given a peach tree at Christmas. Great. Uh, and it's in a plastic bag with soil around it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure whether to put it in now or leave it, uh, put it in the greenhouse, a cold greenhouse, and leave it until the spring. Come on then, Tom. You'd get it in the ground, wouldn't you? <laughs> I would, yeah. As long yeah, as it's not too wet. Yeah, i put it into the ground. If it, yeah, well, you can work the soil to improve that, but pop yeah. it into the ground if you can, or is it something you want to put into a pot, a large tub? No, or is the gra- I'll put it in the ground. Brilliant. Okay, and, and what sort of aspect is it going to be? Is it going to be south-facing? Is it um, South-facing, yes. Perfect condition. So as long as the ground isn't overly wet, yeah. um, I would just uh, prep the ground a little bit, just work it over, turn it over. Um, I would put in uh, some organic matter, but I'd mix it all the way through the soil. Yeah. Uh, and then plant it. You've got a perfect plant there, which actually is, they're hardy. Yeah. What's not so hardy is when they flower. They tend to flower quite early. And if you get that sudden cold temperature, that's the cold that affects the flower, which affects the fruit, fruit being formed. Yeah. So okay. you could always, always cover the plant when it's coming into flower. But I would definitely get it in now. Get it in now. Okay, yeah. lovely. Don't feed so it. Don't feed it at the moment. Feed it in the spring yeah. and go for a general purpose feed. Something like, yeah. um, I don't know, Vitax Q4 or you could use fish blood and bone. Something like 50 grams a square metre. Just work it in and that will really also help the plant through the following, through the first season. Yeah, I was going to put some 
some fish blood and bone in the mix it in with the soil before I put it in. I, I wouldn't bother. No, um, no. What you don't want to do is encourage any sappy growth at this time of the year. I, I, right. That's what you'll get from the nitrogen, which is in the fish blood and bone. So okay. come in around about March and then do it. So okay. apply it over the top and then just lightly work it in. Okay, lovely. All right. Thank you very much. That's yeah. a pleasure. Thank that's Mick in Burnham on Crouch. And we go now to... Oh, we'll go to Pam down in Brentwood. Hello, Pam. Hello. What would you like to know? Um, I've had a pink wisteria for a few years. Oh, yes. And over the time, it's got more green. And this last year, I didn't have any any flowers at all. But it is just so... It just covers the whole garage and everywhere else, but no flowers. I do prune it down, and I did prune it quite harshly the year before last. But it doesn't hasn't doesn't seem to make any difference. Right? How do you have you pruned it this year, or have you just left it? Because you said it's covering everything. No, I cut everything right down. I've cut it right low this year. You've, so you've the, done the it again this of year. Removing it if it's not going to flower. Right, Tom. Right. So wisteria flowers on two-year-old wood or more. So all the whippy growth, all that whippy, young, spindly growth is the growth that you cut, not totally out, but you cut it very, very hard, leaving around two buds. Does that make so sense? From the, main, from the main stem... So if you look at your plant, you've got lots yeah. of wis wispy, thin, tendril-like growth. Very thin growth. No, this is very thick. This is no, really well, you're, no. Uh, you mustn't cut the sick growth. Go right. right. So when was so tell us again? When was the last time you pruned it? Was it last year? Um, I pruned it back last year. Yes. Okay. And what did you take off when you were pruning it last year? I what took everything down to the main main um, stem. So you kept a, you kept a clear stem with no side <clears> shoots. Um, no, I just cut everything back. Right. So I, I think what's happened is it's a it's. It, it's a good, it's a sort of start on pruning, but I think it's too hard, the pruning. And what's happened there is you've taken away, potentially, the flowering wood that was developing. And so that's right. why it's impacting on your flowers for the following seasons. So you won't get any this year. So if you did that, and when did you do that last year? Was it late in the season or... Roughly... Um, in 2019, I did it late autumn. Right, so actually at the moment it's looking very similar to what it looked like when you pruned it. Yeah, it's gone yeah. right back to the main stem. Yeah. So don't do right. Don't do anything. Don't right. uh, don't touch it at all. Uh, but what you'll what will happen this year is because you pruned it in the autumn that hard, it is going to go into overdrive this spring. I would allow that growth to develop, and when you come into uh, sort of end of May June, what I'd start to do is where you want it to grow tie in some of those long whippy growths into a have you got wire on the wall or a trellis or yes yeah yes. so so tie it to those everything else you can start to to reduce and you reduce it back to two leaves but you don't you don't you don't in, cut them off don't know, cut it off to the hardwood yeah you don't cut it into that hardwood the hardwood is really the potential for flowering wood right okay does, so does that make sense to you so i just i cut i Tie it back, um, the whippy growth, to my trellis, and then I reduce back, reduce it back to... Uh, no, 
So, where, <clears throat> so if you're looking at your plant okay. now and you've got it on your wall or your fence, um, yeah. the whippy growth that you want to grow into developing a framework, tie that in first. So just tie it into wherever you've got your wires or your trellis. Don't prune it, just tie it just in. Just tie it in. The, just tie it in, yeah. yeah. The other stuff, the, the other mass of material you've got, you're going to have to cut out. And you will take that stem, you'll follow the stem all the way down to where it comes off the main stem, leaving a little stub of growth around about two, two uh, leaves, if you're doing this in May. Right, OK. And it, So you're going you're gonna to basically build the framework over a couple of years. You won't be able to do it in one year. It's going to take a number of years to develop, and then gradually you'll get more and more and more flowers. Okay. I'm going to give you. A, I'm just going to give you a link. Actually, if you get if you search anywhere on the on the web, if you put wisteria first, and then you follow it with RHS. RHS. You will get the profile page for that plant. If you scroll down the page, there's a hints on pruning and training. And it doesn't matter the fact that it's pink and not purple. Doesn't matter. No, there's pink varieties. Yeah, doesn't pink, matter. White, purples. Lo yeah, there's lots of different shades of that. Okay. Lovely. Thank you very much. That's, That's a okay. pleasure. Back to your calls, texts, and emails very shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips Tom has got for us this very week. Well, I know it's early, but some of us um, lifted up dahlias. Some left Canners. them in the ground. Some left them in the ground, actually. I left some in the ground. They're fine. So um, far. So far. But the key thing as we go through this month is to inspect the ones you've tubers. lifted, is it? The ones you've lifted and also the ones you've left oh, in right. the ground. Okay. Because we've had a lot of water, actually. Yes. So if it is a little bit sodden in the ground, it might be worth lifting them up still uh, or at least forking around carefully so you don't get them into the tubers. But the ones you've got in your greenhouses or your sheds, just check through. You're checking through for anything that's soft and therefore potentially could be rotting. If it's really, really quite spongy and soft and you can see anything gooey coming out, then really they need to be uh, popped into your compost heap. <laughs> or your municipal brown bin. Um, the other thing is to uh, look, check to see if they're overly drying out. So they are quite light, uh, not overly spongy, but have a dry texture to them. So make sure, for example, on canners, that you give them a little bit of moisture. At Ritual University Colleges, what we do is we put them in trays, we just inspect them and give them a little bit of watering as we go through January and into February, and we weed out those which have absolutely got rotten. One thing that tells me that it's starting to rot in a greenhouse, little black flies called scarid flies or fungus Oh, they're gnats. nasty little things. They huh? love moisture. They like humidity. If you see those bouncing around above the top of those um, tubers, then really you need to reduce your watering. Okay. So check you're not over watering as well. And, and finally, you've got well, another one for us, haven't you? To keep yourself fit and also work off the tyre I've just developed over the Christmas period <laughs> uh, is get out there and do some digging. Yes. You know, it is a little bit drier. And uh, I've started to go out there and do some pricking over in my beds uh, between the woody perennials and the perennials. And if you've got a veg patch and you couldn't do it before Christmas, get out there and actually start to turn that soil uh, and try and incorporate any really good organic matter. And you don't can. want it broken down too fine because no, no. it goes claggy, doesn't yeah. it? And it is just literally turning over because we haven't really experienced a winter. We are told we might get something a little bit colder uh, in January, late in maybe later February. That freezing and thawing with a clay-based soil, if that's what you've good, got, wouldn't it? will really sort of reduce the clods into crumbs and you'll end up with a more friable tilth. Thanks very much, Tom. Let's go back to the phones now. And I'm going to nip over to Mistletoe and talk to Doreen from Braintree. What would you like to say about Mistletoe, Doreen? 
Well, it's my brother, really. He asked me what what I'm going to ask you. He says, you like gardening. How do I... My mistletoe won't have berries on. It's two years now. It did have berries on before, but for two years he hasn't had any berries. So I said, I'll ask a man who might know. Because they're male and female, aren't they? But if it's had berries before, that's unusual for it then stopping having berries, isn't it? Yeah, it should do, really. Unless, unless the flower was... Affected oh. by weather conditions, yeah. the plants suffered because the main plant is suffering. Mm. Uh, lots of things can affect plant growth. But in theory, they're male and female, and you need the female, obviously, to produce the berry. Oh, it's in his orchard, and I mean, for two or three years it did have berries, but now it's just... That is strange, isn't it? It is a bit. There's nothing you can do, is it? They're still growing really well, though, apart from that. That's right. Yeah. That's a lovely bunch. But no, well, the answer is... The answer is no, we can't help you on that one because if it's, if it's you know, as I've just said, they're male and female, which is the first thing you've got to think about. But if, if you've had berry, in theory, it should go back to bearing. There's nothing really you can help a mistletoe with, is there? No, not really. No, because, I mean, that, that berry is the, what, is the bit that you're going to squash into any crack or crevice on the tree and then the seed hopefully will germinate as a result. Well, I wanted to tell him to cut it back and see if it... <laughs> Well, when they're harvesting, they, t- they harvest huge chunks, but they don't, they don't take it all away. They leave so some. That does reinvigorate the plant, so there's nothing wrong in doing that either. They are, Dorian. Hopefully we've given you a little bit of advice there. And we go back to talking with Steers with John from Brentwood. Hello, John. Good morning, both. Uh, Happy New Year to you. And to you, and John. You? <laughs> um, I've just... Re- well, last year I removed a rather aggressive wisteria... Mm-hmm. It uh, decided it wanted to try and get in the loft and everywhere else. They do. Terrible, absolutely awful. What could I replace it with that isn't quite as uh, aggressive that will go up trellis and across a double garage? Climbing rope. Jasmine. Well, yes. Well, Yes. I, I, I think that's quite a good choice, actually, because uh, mm-hmm. you've got a bit more control with a climbing rose and you could combine it with something that's going to give you a bit more flower when the rose isn't Like flowering. a jasmine? Well, more, maybe or more a, like, a, like a clematis. Clematis? Yeah, yep. I would do that. That would, that would probably... It would probably get to that point. You need to select your climbing rose What carefully. way does it face? What, what's it face? North. Ah, not as easy. Um... <laughs> Yeah, there are a few climbing roses, aren't there? A couple of climbing roses that will tolerate that, aren't there? But not many that will enjoy being there, will they? I don't. I don't think you I wouldn't think, put a rose. No, not not north facing, uh, unless at the top of that north facing what about, is where you got the lies. But then that defeats the What about the hydrangea? Um, the climbing There's a climbing hydrangea. hydrangea. Well, climbing hydrangeas would cope with a north facing. Well, you get some flowers, and you would never get as many flowers as, say, if it was east, south, or west facing. Garyoliptica? Uh, Garyoliptica, yeah. Tassel bush? Yeah, not a climber, but a wall shrub. That can be a bit of a thug, actually. I personally wouldn't have that trained over right, the top okay. of, a, of, a, a of a garage. Things like um, north-facing, north-facing, north-facing. You can't. You wouldn't put trachyspermum in, would you? Because no, it no, could it be too cold. I, I do well with ordinary roses in the front, in the garden, in the front. But And, and that's north-facing? 
Yeah, put a rose in. Well, then, then what go. clematis would you mix it with? Any, any, any sort of uh, group two or three clematis. Uh, something like um, Jack It's got lovely purple flowers. Nelly Moser, Nelly Moser, stripy flowers. That's quite a nice one. Uh, things like um, Tangutico, lovely yellow no. flowers. What, what was that last one? Tangutica, T A N G. U-T-I-C-A. And that'll give you a fluffy flower head through the winter period. In fact, it's a better one than that. Uh, it's related to it. It's called Bill Mackenzie. It's got a lovely yellow flower with a dark centre. How about that? Right, I'll have a go at that. Have a go. Let us know how you get on, John, yeah? <laughs> OK, thanks. All yeah. the very best. That's John from Brentwood. Uh, talk, he got rid of his... Well, he said it was a bit of a thug. They are. David from Hullbridge <laughs> talking about rose hips. Is that right, David? No, it is. I, actually, I'm, I'm a former student at Riddle College back in the back in the sixties. So, uh, oh, you didn't we, have to not... put up. You didn't have to put up with Tom then. Does <laughs> he was even born then? Um, <laughs> we won't go there on that, that one. But he's giving a thumbs up there. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, where the tea rooms are now at, at Riddle College used to be the potting shed when I was there. That's where it was and, when uh, I was there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and there was um, there was a process we used to do with with hips, uh, rose hips, uh, and other seeds, which would uh, simulate the travel passing through a bird or an animal, um, which meant that the, the, the seed would then grow afterwards. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, the first thing to do is remove the flesh. Um, yeah. which you can just push through a sieve or with your fingers, yeah. quite a messy, sticky yeah. work. Then it's yeah. to dry out the seed, which you can do within a day. Um, and then there was there was one route we did, um, I remember doing this with my tutor, uh, <laughs> Steve Bradley, um, that you would actually uh, either wash the seed um, and then dry, or you could, I mean, commercial growers sometimes use a mild acidic solution, and that, that starts the etching process, which is what the yeah. acids are doing in the in the in the in bird. The, in the bird. Um, yeah, so when, 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 yeah, when I did it, we had like a, a machine that we'd use for picking lottery tickets out. Um, oh. It would it's like a handle and it would roll round. You'd that's roll, right. You'd put the water in there and roll it round. That's right. You had sandpaper or something coarse inside, and what that's yeah, doing yeah. is is abrading, it's etching. So that's the scarification yeah. part. And yeah. then, then it needs to go for a period of cold, which is the stratification part. So we, oh, okay. so we tend to mix that into a compost, put it into a little drum, plunge it in the ground, cover yeah. it with a with a with a wire. Um, sorry, a, like a chicken wire to stop the ver the vermin getting in. And the okay. cold would actually bring on and germinate the seed. And sometimes it might take a year. Sometimes it might take two years. Yeah. All oh, right. Oh, okay. Oh, that's the thing. Okay. And what is that process called? So you've got, you got so scarification is the etching away and breaking down the seed coat, and stratification yeah. is the Deep extreme etch. of temperature. So it's cold, ah, cold for most ah, okay. of your native trees and shrubs. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, no, thanks for your help. Thank you. That's okay. all right. That's a pleasure. It's Dal uh, David from Harbridge. <laughs> And that's an interesting one. So, yeah, man, man from Riddle College there as well. Going. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They are indeed. Um, this is from Nick in Tiptree. Should I be letting my gardener cut my lawns this cold, wet time of year? I think he might be making work for himself, especially with clay-type soil. Can you recommend... Oh, no, we'll go on to that. We'll do with that one first. Now, people often say that to me. If I'm mowing a lawn, it's someone. They think, oh, you're trying to make a bit more work. No, you're not. No, it depends. It, it, There's nothing. And it, 
Life has changed, hasn't it? If you go back 10 years, we had frostier weather in the winter. We don't have as much frost. No. And in fact, looking at the temperature today, 7.7, grass is actually growing, isn't it? So the key is, it's it's got to be the right condition to get on the ground. If it's too wet, don't go on there. Clay soil, definitely don't go on there if it's too wet. But you're only saying too wet. Yeah. So too wet, frosty. Because that can compact the soil, yep. which leads <clears> to other problems coming in. So, And you're right, it is actually growing now, and it's not uncommon to be cutting 12 Look, months of the year. It's a changing world. So that's that first one for Nick in Tiptree. A second one is, that could you recommend an organic way to feed and reduce moss in the lawn? There are several on the market, aren't there? Organic methods, aren't there? Uh, there's, I can't think of their names off the top of my head, but there are a couple of organic ones that actually uh, they rot the moss and the moss stays there. You don't take the moss out and it acts as a food. If I could remember its name, I can't I would. remember any product. There are products yeah, out there. No, there's yes, a product yeah. there that yeah. does that. So there are a couple. I think if you have the ability of looking up organic yeah. moss killer, you will find it. Whatever you use... Yes. You've got to control it first before you go in there and rake it. Yeah, because but there's you're... one that you don't have to rake as well. Right, so it kills the spores? Yeah, kills right. the spores. Okay. So that is a really good one. If I could remember its name, I'd even tell you, but I can't remember its name off the top of my head. There's a bag of it in my shed, but that doesn't help you. <laughs> doesn't <laughs> this help moment. us, <laughs> doesn't help anybody at this moment. So, But they are available. If you look up organic moss killers, you will find them, I promise you. Uh, we have a steep bank at the end of our garden, roughly 60 foot wide, rising up to 30 foot quite big can you recommend any plant that will provide low-lying ground cover that will spread over the bank is pretty and requires little maintenance it's the keeping it pretty is the most difficult thing isn't it so it's going to be evergreens in the main which um you see you could use ivy well, you could. I mean, variegated ivy. Yeah, but you would go for something like uh, the large leaf ones, Hedera, Colchica. Yeah, you get some good variegated yep. ones. They're easier to control than the. the you could then plant common. daffodils through it. Underplant with that, and um, you can have patches where you've got things like cyclamen and stuff like that actually coming through. But they're they're going to die away. Things like I still use things like Vinca, the periwinkle. Uh, the large and the small leaf versions, and I've gone over those with rotary mowers to keep them cut down yep. if it's able to do that. Cotoniaster you could use. Yeah, Horizontalis, you've got Damari, all of those are good. Damari semi-evergreen would even yep. keep some of its leaf, wouldn't it? Uh, thing- Vinca? Well, I've just said that. Yeah. Oh, you said Vinca, sorry. That. Periwinkle, Epimediums yeah. Epimediums are good. Epimediums, they slow, aren't they? Well, no, they're, they're, but once they get there, they're evergreen. <laughs> That's true. Virginia's. Evergreen. Yeah. Got any others? Pachysandra. Oh, Pachysandra. No, I like Pachysandra. That's that's very good. And also flowers, very vibrant green leaves. You've got some variegated ones as well. So we think we've helped Brian from Rayleigh, don't you? There's quite a lot there. There's quite a lot there. Um, Morning, gentlemen. Cucumbers keeps cats out of the garden. Having a couple of cucumbers up there won't... They won't come in, it says that. Have you heard that, Tom? I've never heard that before. I've never heard that one before, I must be honest. So I have got no idea what that's about at all. Uh, (laughs) So we've had, really, the cat deterrence. We've had electronic, we've had drink bottles, and now we've got cucumbers. Got any other ideas? A dog. You've got a dog, haven't you? Well, the dog will keep it away. I bet the dog won't come in with a cat, will it? (laughs) No chance at all, anyway. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. And if you missed any of those answers we gave, 
Download this programme. Take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. If you have a gardening question for us, give us a call on 0800 4041 next Saturday and be part of the programme. Yes, BBC Essex from 11. Every Saturday, it's the Gardening Hour. 